Hey, everybody. Welcome to Hawkeye Talk with Jimmy Hawk. This is Season 3, Episode 12. Going to talk college football today. It is back. Back with a vengeance after a crazy Week 0. At least that Nebraska-Northwestern game was a little crazy. But I'm going to talk a little bit about Week 0. There were four teams that played that the Hawkeyes are going to face this year. And also want to talk a little bit, just to kind of a preview before the depth chart comes out on Monday morning, how I think that's going to look, some things to look for on Saturday on the field. Well, as I said, week zero, it is now in the books. And another Nebraska football close loss, just a three-point loss to the Northwestern Wildcats in a game in Dublin, Ireland. And Nebraska fans are just so deflated at this point. At least the ones that made the trip to Ireland got to go have a fun time. I'm sure, you know, visiting that beautiful country. And they got free beer at the game. When the Wi-Fi went down, you could see that was going bonkers on the internet, uh, on Twitter. And the announcers were talking about at the game how the lines just got huge because they announced that the beer was going to be free at that game while their Wi-Fi was down and their systems weren't working. But the Huskers just cannot win close games. And at this point, it seems to be a reflection on their coach, Scott Frost. Nebraska in this one had two double-digit leads in the game and lost them both. In the first half, it looked like Nebraska might run away with this game up 14-3. to But Northwestern led 17-14 to at half after a couple of unanswered touchdowns in the second quarter. Well, Nebraska had a really big third quarter. At least they started out that way. They had two touchdowns early in that third quarter to take an 11-point lead again. But Scott Frost decided to do an onside kick. And look, he took responsibility for that onside kick after the game. He said that all the momentum was in their favor. He thought they could end the game right there in the third quarter after that. They got that touchdown and took the 28-17 to lead. But if all of the momentum is going your way, why would you be trying a low percentage play like an onside kick that could swing that momentum the other way in a heartbeat? It just makes no sense to me that you're going to ruin the momentum or chance it like that, that your team has at that point by risking an onside kick at that juncture in the game in the third quarter. And it, it just, it's unbelievable to me, really. It's, I do think it is a fireable offense. I don't think Frost is going to get fired, but that decision, and, and you look at his track record since he's been at Nebraska, that is a fireable offense. But I think, you know, Frost is going to keep his job until the season's over. Really seems like that will be it for him unless they just go on a miraculous run. But it just seems like, you know, the same thing is going to happen. Same old Frost at this point. And, you know, don't really expect them to bounce back and have a good season here. So, you know, when Northwestern recovered that onside kick, it was really the end of that game. Northwestern went right down the field, got a touchdown right away. They went on a long drive later for the go-ahead touchdown. Nebraska just couldn't get it done. Pat Fitzgerald and the Wildcats bounced back from a horrendous 2021 season that saw them finish last in the Big Ten West, although they were tied with Nebraska at 1-8 and eight in the conference. Northwestern was 3-9 and nine overall last year. 
but Nebraska had handily beaten Northwestern in 2021, so quite the turnaround there for Fitzgerald. Both teams looked pretty decent on offense. Uh, really kind of interesting watching their offenses uh, throughout that game. Nebraska's quarterback can really make some plays under duress. You know, Northwestern ran the ball really well, 214 yards rushing against the Huskers, and their quarterback was better than I thought he would be. He threw for over 300 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions, and 528 yards of total offense for Northwestern. Frost, after the game, threw his new offensive coaches under the bus. And, you know, if you recall, to save his job after last season, he fired all of his offensive coaches, had to hire new guys. And he said something to the effect of how the offensive staff needs to learn to be a little more creative in this league. Well, the offense scored 28 points, and the defense gave up 31 points and over 500 yards total offense for Northwestern. So if I was him, I'd be a lot more concerned with the defense than the offense at this point in the year. But that's typical Scott Frost. You know, he's always throwing people under the bus. He rarely, rarely takes any, any of the responsibility to himself. Although he did, he did admit that, that he was responsible for the call on the onside kick and, and said, hindsight's 2020. Would I do it again? No, knowing what I know now, but Oh, Scott Frost, what a, what a nightmare for those Nebraska fans. Well, Illinois also played on Saturday, and they beat Wyoming easily. Former Iowa offensive line coach Tim Polishek is the offensive coordinator and quarterback's coach at Wyoming, and they just couldn't do anything against the Illini. I've really been wondering what Illinois is going to look like this year. They stepped up their defense last season, played really well the last nine or so games very stingy defense as far as yardage and points and it really seems like they're gonna they're gonna be a tougher team than we anticipated in year two of Brett Bielema fitting well into that Big Ten West with with a really good defense and Bielema knows how important that is in this league well Illinois only gave up 10 first downs to Wyoming Wyoming was one of 12 on third down conversions 212 total yards, just 30 yards passing. I mean, 30 yards passing on 5 of 20 completions. That's just a crazy stat right there. Illinois did it all on offense. They were 30 of 40 passing for 217 yards. Most of that was executed by Tommy DeVito, who transferred to Illinois from Syracuse. And they had 260 yards rushing, 150 of those yards by Chase Brown. If you recall, he was a really good running back for Illinois last year. So it is going to be interesting to see how Illinois continues to grow under Brett Bielema in just year two as the head coach. One other note from week zero, Nevada played New Mexico State and won 23-12. The Hawkeyes host the Wolfpack in week three under the lights at Kinnick. And it's a rebuilding year for Nevada with head coach Jay Norvell having left after this past season take over at Colorado State and now they have first time head coach Ken Wilson taking over but Nevada was playing New Mexico State a, a really bad team who was two and two and ten last year and they finally got rid of their head coach Doug Martin who was 25 and 74 74 losses in eight seasons at New Mexico State 
How he lasted that long, I have no idea. But their new head coach is former Gophers head coach, Jerry Kill. So that's kind of interesting there. But Nevada, they lost their quarterback to the NFL, Carson Strong. All their wide receivers and tight ends are pretty much gone. And it really showed Nevada just 78 yards passing on 14 of 23 attempts. Rotating two guys there, both completed seven passes, but just over three yards per attempt, so they weren't going down the field at all. They did rush 45 times for 179 yards, and that was enough to pull out a victory over New Mexico State. They had just over 250 yards total offense, so they definitely did not burn things up there, and they gave up 300 to New Mexico State, mostly in the air, and so... Looking forward to a big win over Nevada under the lights at Kinnick in a few weeks. Well, now I want to take a stab at the two deeps for next week. They're going to be released Monday morning. And I just want to talk a little bit about who I think it will be, how it may shake out with some injuries that have hit the team going into the season. And let's kick it off on the offensive side of the ball at quarterback. It sounds like Spencer Petras uh, has the slight edge in practice this year. Once again, with Padilla as the backup, third stringer Joey Labus is an interesting story. He considers himself a dual-threat quarterback. And I wouldn't mind seeing another one of those leading the black and gold. It's really been since Brad Banks, since the Hawkeyes have had, a quarterback who could hurt you with both his feet and his arm. But until he gets a better grasp on the offense, it sounds like it is Petrus's job to lose for now. And if he's not getting it done, I think they won't hesitate to put Padilla in. Well, at running back, Gavin Williams is going to be listed at number one with LaShawn Williams at backup. He had been up a little bit nicked up during practice here recently, Gavin, but I still think he's going to be listed as the starter. But both will rotate and get quite a few carries on Saturday. And really interested to see who will be the third running back. It sounds like it may be Caleb Johnson, the true freshman, uh, in that rotation with his size and his ability. He's the biggest back that the Hawkeyes have right now at about 6'1", 220 pounds. Really solid guy for just a true freshman. But fullback, Monty Potabom, uh, will be listed number one. And, you know, it's pretty rare anymore that a team lists a fullback in their two deeps, but the Hawkeyes still do, as does Wisconsin. And Monty's backup is Turner Palisard. You know, big question this year at fullback for me is, will Potabom get a few more carries, maybe some screen passes, some design pass plays, get some more touches as the Hawkeyes are looking for creative ways to move the ball. Tight end is a pretty easy one here. Sam Laporta coming back for his senior year, and backup Luke Lachey is really poised for a big season in the passing game as well. But who will be the third tight end in those three tight end sets? Or, you know, if the Hawkeyes get to some backups late in the game, Will it be Addison Ostranga, the true freshman? Sounds like he'll he'll be a potential guy to be split out wide with his athleticism and speed, uh, pass-catching ability if they need some help on the outside. How about walk-on Johnny Pascuzzi from the Kansas City area? People have been talking about him. Kirk Ferentz has mentioned him a few times. Or the transfer, Steven Stilianos, the big fella. He comes in about 6'5", 260 pounds and hopefully he's grasping that offense, can at least help as a blocker in there when needed. 
Now it gets interesting at wide receiver. The Hawkeyes only list two wide receivers, but they really have three wide receiver positions. It just depends on what formation they're in. But strictly based on injuries, I think the number ones this week are going to be Arlen Bruce, the fourth, and Alec Wick. Now, I don't know if the if the depth chart is going to show that, but that's who I'm picking right now. If there was a healthy Keegan Johnson, he would be listed at number one, and it does appear that he's been practicing some now, but I just don't know how ready he is after all the time he's missed. The other wide receiver, you know, it would probably say Nico Regani, giving it to the senior, but Arlen Bruce, regardless, is going to get a lot of playing time with or without a healthy Nico, but no, it's just tough not having Nico in there right now. He's out with, I believe it was a foot injury, and hopefully he's going to be back by game two. Just all of his experience that he has as a senior. Um, but it doesn't sound like he's going to go on Saturday. I don't know. It'll be interesting. Will Keegan Johnson, will Nico get in a few snaps or, or just are unable to go? Brody Brecht, what about him? He's been banged up as well, but will he get some snaps? And then... Jacob Bostic, the true freshman, uh, or a couple of the other walk-on wide receivers. So keep an eye out on Saturday, who you see on the outside, running those pass patterns, blocking for the running backs. It's going to be really interesting. The Hawkeyes will need some production from the wide receivers for this offense to meet its potential. Well, on the offensive line, if healthy, we will see Mason Richmond at left tackle. I look for him to have a really standout year after the experience he got last season. If he's out, Jack Plum has been practicing in that role. Right tackle sounds like will be Connor Colby, the sophomore who played guard last year as a true freshman. But I really like that move with his size and athletic ability. He will fit in very well at the right tackle position. May see Jack Plum over there on some snaps if he's not forced into action at left tackle. Maybe Nick DeYoung. He played quite a few snaps there last year, but he also may be playing some guard this year. Starting guards, it sounds like it could be Bo Stevens and Jennings Dunker. Stevens is a 6'6", 310-pounder. Dunker was the hay bale toss winner at the Solon Beef Days, and he weighs around 320 pounds on a 6'5 frame. Both are big, strong guys, and both are redshirt freshmen. But rotating in will likely be Tyler Ellsbury, and then I'm interested to see which guys make that eight-man rotation on Saturday? Or, or will they rotate eight? Will they rotate seven? Will it be six? It'll be interesting to see. Probably depends on, on how healthy the guys are as well. Well, at center, we expect to see Logan Jones in there. Keep an eye on him. He's very athletic, very strong. But how quickly is he going to make that big impact in the middle of that offensive line as, as a new guy? to the offensive side of the ball as well. And Mike Mislinski is likely the backup at center. He had a lot of injuries prior to this camp, and uh, so he's been catching up there. Well, on defense, look for Quinn Schulte listed at number one at free safety. But the really intriguing thing here is Will Xavier Wampa, the true freshman five-star recruit, will he be listed at number two, or will it still be Reggie Bracey? And then at strong safety, Kayvon Merriweather. And behind him could be Cooper DeGene, could be Sebastian Castro. DeGene 
will be listed at the cash position most likely. But he's been practicing at corner, at safety, and at cash. And he may play at different places, different positions in that secondary this year. And the coaches just seem to love him. They love his athleticism, his mental attitude. He just seems like he's going to be a great player for the Hawkeyes this year. And at corner, Riley Moss and Brendan Desfernandez on the right side. Terry Roberts on the left. But will it be TJ Hall behind him? Perhaps he's the true freshman who came in at the semester. You hear a lot of good things about him. And Jamari Harris will not be playing in the South Dakota State game. At linebacker, Justin Jacobs we listed as the Leo position. Jack Campbell, Jay Higgins in the middle. Seth Benson and Kyler Fisher to round it out. That's the easiest group to predict right there with three starters back. But the defensive line is also in great shape with John Wagner, Ethan Herkett at left end. Just don't know what they're going to do with Lucas Van Ness. It seems like he should start at the other end. But Joe Evans was there at the start of camp, so maybe Lucas will be listed as the backup to Joe Evans, and they're just going to rotate the three quite a bit, along with Deontay Craig, another good defensive end. Hawkeyes are just stacked on that line. Maybe Van Ness will play some in the middle also. And, uh, I mean, it's just great to have players that can line up in multiple positions. He played defensive tackle last year. They've been running him at defensive end a lot this year. So it's just great to have that kind of flexibility with your players. And at defensive tackle, I mean, you've got starters Noah Shannon, Logan Lee, backups Y.A. Black, uh, and so many other guys, Jeremiah Pittman, Aaron Graves, just going to be really interested on Saturday to see which guys are rotating in that top eight. And also just to see if those guys are able to stuff the run. Uh, they're going to be big. They're going to be strong. You know, is this is this going to be a defensive line that the Jackrabbits can run through and how much pressure they can put on the quarterback? Well, at punter, of course, it's going to be Tory Taylor, and, and looking forward to seeing what he can do on Saturday with, with more time practicing. He's been such a great punter for two years now. And it sounds like Drew Stevens may have won the kicking job over Aaron Blom. Another thing to watch on Saturday. And who is returning punts? Who's returning kicks? Well, I like the idea of Arlen Bruce out there. I just don't think the Hawkeyes can afford an injury at the wide receiver position. They're so thin right now with injuries and defections. So I really like Cooper DeGene back there on punts or kickoffs. Maybe he can do both. Um, maybe one of the running backs can handle the kickoff returns. LaShawn Williams, for example. Well, we'll see more on Monday when the depth chart comes out. But again, some coaches, uh, sometimes coaches don't really want to tip their hand. They may not replace players in the two deep if they're injured you know, and likely to be back in, in a week or two. Um, so we could see some different things on the field on Saturday compared to the depth chart, but it has felt so good having college football back this weekend. You know, even getting to watch a Big Ten West game, it was an entertaining game. The Huskers fell to the Wildcats and just another meltdown, bad decision by Scott Frost. And to see their special teams, you know, blow another game like that. And, and it's just amazing. But looking forward to seeing close to 70,000 other fans in Kinnick on Saturday, taking my son to the game. 
he's been to one other, but this is really kind of his first game. He slept through half of the, <laughs> the other game a few years ago. So we are excited to get up there. Can't wait to, to see Herky come on out onto the field, the swarm, the wave. You know, he, he's, he's excited to experience all those things, those great traditions that we get to win, witness in, in Kinnick Stadium. Well, let's get the W on Saturday. Lots of interesting things to look for on the field. How does the offensive line look? And how the offense is looking. Are they looking better? That's going to be the key things that I'm going to be, going to be really looking for. So Jackrabbits are going to be a decent team. And the Hawkeyes better be sharp from the start. Let's get that W. And go Hawks!